Good morning, all. No, this will work great. You know, I uh, my my original plan was to be a a, a school teacher. So amusing then that people refer to me as Mr. Collins. Like, you know, you've all seen Finding Nemo, dude. Mr. Turtle is my father. You know. So, you know no. Um, that was a weird experience, getting old enough to have people call me sir, or, uh, uh, you know, to go someplace where people didn't know me and, and treated me like I was worthy of being respected. Didn't get that growing up so much, the whole small town thing, everybody knows you thing. So, well, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for meeting with us in this place week after week after week. God, we just we praise you, and we bind the flesh and the carnal mind, and we loose your spirit in this place today to do exactly what you want to do. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive uh, the uh, the words that uh, you are uh, most ready to give us. God, we just pray it in your name. Amen and amen. Uh, so. I uh, typically I have my little blue notebook and uh, my my little thing all written out, all nice and neat. But I spent yesterday laying on the couch watching children's television because I was feeling rather ill. And uh, Cynthia was gone all day, so it was me and the kids and the TV. But I figure we're the church, so we should be able to wing it. So we can fly, right? So I'm ready. I was thinking of that scripture this morning, getting out of the shower. I'm like, ready in season, out of season. Here we go. You know, I'm big on anniversaries um, and birthdays and things like that. I like to kind of keep track of those things because as you get to be in your 30s or so, you start to realize how quickly time just sort of evaporates. You know, I remember thinking, you know, high school was this, this the end of high school was this goal that I couldn't wait to for this thing to end, and there was just this big question mark after that. But uh, I was, as I was looking towards this big monolith of a goal, uh, time just dragged by. And then, and then I graduated, and I met Cynthia, and uh, and now uh, I look back, and it just has kind of all of a sudden I'm. You know, 40 is looming around the corner. You know, I, I realized I'm going to be, you know, well, I, I realized I'm going to be 37 this year, and I thought, you know, 36 didn't seem so bad, but 37 <laughs> seems an awful lot closer. You know, I mean, it seems like more than just 36 plus one to me. But anyway, uh, so yesterday, Cynthia and I had our uh, 17th anniversary, and. So, so we celebrated with Cynthia doing something with somebody that wasn't sick, and and uh, and I laid on the couch all day. So, but that's okay. Um, another interesting anniversary that I had this week uh, on Thursday was 20 years to the day that I was born again in this great place, and so 
I, I think that's really precious. And sometimes I look back and think, man, what was I doing all this time? You know what I mean? It's like the, as time goes by, you think, man, what, what a lot of time I've wasted. You know, and so, you know, I could, I would encourage you all, you know, to, you know, think about how you're using your time. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't looking to, to be here, you know, and uh, when Ron started doing the Sunday school, I kind of thought, uh, I was like, oh, that sounds great, you know, and it felt like he kind of started it, left it an open invitation, you know, Mandy ministered one day and it was really precious, but then it just kind of became, we all showed up for another service with Ron. And then it was like, uh, I felt like he was sort of thinking, what did I get myself into? Now I have another service every week. Maybe I can pass this off on somebody, you know. And, and I don't think that's what he was thinking, but, you know, um, I can tell you that, um, you know, God didn't put me here because uh, I've gotten my duckies in a row or anything or because I've done everything right because I certainly have not. But, uh, you know, God... God just, he chooses who he chooses and he does what he does and I have no other explanation for it than that. But, you know, I was thinking about, you know, 20 years ago and thinking, wow, how, how quickly the time goes by and, uh, you know, roughly half of you can even remember 20 years ago. So, uh, and the other half of you remember it roughly, but, uh, uh so I was thinking about that, and I, I thought I might share share a little bit about that today. Uh, I think you, you're all getting to know me a little better now that you have to come in here and listen to me every week. But uh, you know, I you know I grew up uh, kind of a, a lonely kind of existence because I was an only child, and uh, um, I think I, you could blame a lot of my uh, eccentricity on that. My my parents had no friends. Uh, outside of uh, the family, and so, and I really didn't have a lot of friends either. Uh, about the only friend I ever really had is right here. So, um, most of my my social input came from my parents. And if you've ever met my parents, you know they're precious people. But, um, yeah. Um, so. You know, it's funny how things that you grow up with rub off on you. You know, I always, my, my dad and I butted heads a lot growing up, and I always thought, I am not going to be like my dad when I grow up. And then I find myself saying these things that he used to say to me. Like, oh, dang it, here we go again. Uh huh. Yeah, no, well, now you know where I get it. <laughs> Yep, Steve worked with my dad for a while, so he got to he got to see what I'm talking about here a little bit. Now, I, I think he puts on a nice normal face for people, but that's what I do. Um, but you know, I so I grew up, you know, like that, and I, I really didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, I was that kid at school that everybody kind of ostracized or whatever because I was weird. And as the older I get, the more I look back at my life and think, how was I even breathing? Like how you know how did I get through school alive, you know? Because there there was a, a young guy that came to the school in junior high, and he was so out there that it kind of actually took the heat off me a little bit, and uh, and and even I could see how odd this kid's behavior was, and I felt really sorry for him, and so I 
look at my own life sometimes and think, wow, that must be how everybody saw me. No, but um, I never went to church. Um, uh, there was uh, one of my aunts went to church, uh, and that was it. And, and I knew that my that my uh, my mom had gone to church with her family growing up because she talked a little bit about it. And uh, but it, uh, the past was always kind of a just the closed door. Nobody really talked about the past, and uh, so I didn't really know know much about that. And um, so in high school, uh, you know, I had a few experiences with the Lord on and off here and there. I uh, was watching TV with my dad one evening, and uh, Mike loves this story. And uh, there there's something on the TV where they were talking about religion or whatever. And uh, so my dad announces, well, I believe in God. And... Uh, and I said, well, I sure as hell do. <laughs> and, and then I kind of realized what that sounded like. Well, let me think about that for a minute. You know, and, and so, you know, ha- having never been to church, having never had any kind of religious instruction at all, it never occurred to me that you couldn't just talk to the Lord. Because you know, I know a lot of people think, you know, it's like, but you've got to, you know, do this and that and everything. I, I just kind of assumed that if I talked to him, he would hear me. And so I did, I, you know, and I don't really remember much about it, but I remember that I felt a sense of peace in, in dealing with him. And, uh, you know, I went on with my life the way I was doing things and, and always just sort of aware that he was there. And, uh, um, but content to kind of just do my own thing. Never occurred to me that I needed to do anything different, make any kind of change. And uh, um, so in high school, then you know, fast forward a few years, uh, um, you know, uh, Mike and I were both just in the world and drifting apart, doing our own things, and, uh, and our friendship was really just kind of strained at the edges. And uh, um, it's just, you know, when you've had something for a really long time, it's hard to just throw it away, even if you're kind of tired of it. And that's kind of where we were both at. And uh, uh, and then he meets this girl. And and he wanted to go out with her, and she said, well, how about you come to church with me? Well, she came to church here. And uh, and uh, I love this story, because he, he said, you know, I got in their, in their car, and she's like, by the way, this is kind of a... She was looking for the word Pentecostal, but she couldn't think of it. So she's like, this is kind of a hallelujah church. <laughs> and so Mike shows up, and there's this, it's one of those services that goes till three in the afternoon, people get in prayer and stuff, and Mike thought, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, yeah, all right. And so a few weeks later, you know, he's, he's still coming back, and, you know, he's, he's found something that he's been looking for, and uh, uh we were spending some time together on a Saturday, and uh, and he talked to me about about the Lord and uh, the old famous Roman road, and we talked about that a little bit. And I'd never, you know, I'd never heard anything like that. I had the twenty third Psalm memorized because I just thought you were supposed to, and so I knew it. And uh, um, you know, so he he talked to me about 
about the Lord. And that was really, honestly, the first time anybody had ever told me anything about about real God and what the Bible actually says about you know that anything, honestly. And uh, uh, I wasn't really sure what to do with it. I thought, wow, this is new. It's different. Never heard anything like this before. Of course, I was a teenager, so I was more than open to hearing something new. And I wasn't old and set in my ways and uh, uh, any more than, you know, I suppose the Collins is more set in their ways than most. But uh, um, so then, in, uh, you know, sensing that the moment had arrived, he invited me to church uh, the next day and I turned him down. And I was like, nah, I got things to do tomorrow. And crushed and destroyed. And uh, so I go to school Monday morning. And uh, this uh, young lady that went to the church here, who also went to school there, uh, she uh, she and I had been talking a little bit, and then she found out that Mike talked to me about the Lord. And so then she jumped on me like a pit bull. (laughs) (laughs) And and she was not going to let it go. You know, she's like, you know, we have church on Friday night. You know, you you, you should come. Like, ah, I had to ask. You know, I... Now, I didn't mind hearing something new, but to get out of my comfort zone and do something new was entirely different. And uh, I'd never been to church before. I didn't know what to expect. I thought, ah, I'm a little nervous about that idea. Uh, so so I didn't go to church on Friday night. And Saturday, uh, Mike and I were uh, hanging out a little bit, and uh, and we were uh, he was talking to me some more uh, out of the Bible. I think he was talking in John. And uh, just, you know, it's like a couple of, of uh, like, preschool kids. Like, look at this cool thing that I got, you know. And, uh, um, and so I was, you know, I thought, okay, all right, fine. You know, uh, let's do this. And so uh, the next morning I got up and, and I came to church. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know the first thing about uh, about how a church service went, how people acted at church, or anything like that. And uh, back then they had a like an old heater back in the back where Mike and Sarah are sitting, and they had like the little folding chairs because the place was packed out. There were people in the halls, and, there was, and they had all these extra chairs in the back because there were that many people here on a regular Sunday. And uh, uh, you know, we stood up, and Ron started talking, and and uh, you know, Mike had told me on the way here. He's like, "Now, you know, you've never heard any of these songs ever, unless we sing Amazing Grace." So, uh, um, you know, you might just listen, think about it. You know, think about what the songs say, and you could kind of maybe even turn it into a prayer, perhaps. And uh, I thought that seems logical, reasonable, you know, makes sense. All right, here we go. And. Uh, you know, you always want to listen to what the initiated have to tell you. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's like when you you go go someplace, you want to ask somebody that's already been there. It's like, so how does this work? Or at least I do. I don't like to be the uh, the explorer who forges the trail particularly. But uh, uh, so the first song we sang uh, was that song about how lovely on the feet are the mountains to them that bring good news. And I was listening along. I didn't really know what it was talking about precisely, but I thought, oh, okay, that sounds good. And 
And it comes to that second chorus, and it says that he is alive. And you know, it's like I was just, you know, back there. Yes, God, I intellectually assent that you are indeed alive. You know, and something happened to me. You know, and I just felt like I was on fire, and I was crying, and I didn't have this sense of uh, like like that I needed to repent of my sins or. Uh, or that I was in some desperate place in my life that I needed relief. I just, I just found out, wow, he's alive and he, he's really real, and and he's he's here and and he knows me and he cares about me. And uh, uh, I just was dumbfounded, and uh, uh, it never occurred to me, you know, that you know it's like I, I might ought to shed a tear or two in church because that's what people do. I couldn't not. And uh, um, and I couldn't even explain it. It just I was like, "Wow, this is this is the coolest thing ever." And and so I sat down in my little chair and, and uh, listened to the the service and uh, took notes. Uh, I think I still have them somewhere. Uh, I came across them uh, a while back, and it was just I mean I wrote down like every last thing he said, pretty much, you know. And uh, um, you know, it's funny because you know I I don't like to take notes in church now. I find it distracting. I like to just listen. But um, but I mean, I was just I, I was in school. I was like, this is what you do. You sit, you listen, you take notes. And I was always took copious notes. So I just wrote all kinds of notes down. And uh, I went home and told my folks uh, about what had happened to me. And uh, they're like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad glad that worked out for you. I'm not interested. And I was just crushed, crumpled, destroyed. You know? And uh thought, wow, that really sucked. I was really grieved. And uh, so it kind of became a rather contentious thing at my house after that. Because uh, I kind of had this misguided notion that because I was a Christian now and they were heathen, I didn't have to listen to them. <laughs> and... And that I knew better than them, and and so on and so forth, and and uh, you know, kind of like how Ron talks about dealing with his boss. It's like, well, they are still your boss, heathen or not, and so you need to do what you're told. And so it never really occurred to me in high school. I, I kind of wish I would have maybe had somebody, you know, older than me to point out to me. It's like, yeah, but the Bible says honor your father and mother. You you can, it's right there, in black and white. And so heathen or no, you know, you you still have to at least. You know, honor them, and you can't fight with them and tell them what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, and 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 just totally disregard their input. But that was kind of how I grew up anyway, to some degree. And so I was uh, really stubborn growing up. And so if I didn't want to do something, I was not going to do it. And uh, if I was going to do something, I was just going to do it. And so my my parents had just kind of thrown up their hands and. Uh, so it's interesting because now I'm in that same position, but now I'm the dad, and I have three of them, and, and uh, they all want to be potentate of the universe. <laughs> Actually, I, I take that back. Jeremy is a really sweet kid, and, and he well, they all are honestly. But I mean, he's he's very tractable. Levi's a little out there. Zoe is the one who wants to be queen of the world. But, uh, <laughs> 
So, so we're working on that one, aren't we? So, but you know, I thought, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what better time to, you know, to share that story than, uh, than on this particular week, and uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a precious thing, you know, to find out that that God knows you. And, and and that he loves you, and that he that he's really, 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 really real, you know. Because I've had I'd had these experiences from time to time. I was a really moody, emotional, kind of depressed, angry sort of kid, and uh, uh, and I didn't. My upbringing didn't equip me with the uh, self control necessary to really. You know, keep it together when when your emotions are, are really revved up, and uh, and so when my emotions got revved up, then I just blew up, and that's how that was how I grew up. And so I would have these things where some little thing would just spiral me into this just uh, you know emo state, I guess you'd say. You know, if, if you know if it had been like you know ten twenty years later, I probably would have been dressing in black and wearing mascara, but I just. <laughs> You know, I I was kind of one of those sad children, I guess you'd say. But you know, and I, I remember this time that just some little thing had had just kind of set me off like that. Uh, something small enough that I, I for the life of me I couldn't tell you what it was. Uh, where I was spending time with some of my friends and and I felt like I was on the outside. And uh, and I was still at the you know young enough at that time I needed to you know have rides to get around places and stuff. And it was nighttime, and I was waiting in in someone's driveway for my parents to come get me. And I was just standing out there in the dark, and I remember just feeling that sense of despair, like my life was just horrible, and I, I hated life. And, and uh, you know, and I had, I had talked to God before, and so I thought, well, you know, I guess now would be a good time to talk to Him again. And... Uh, and I did, and this just sense of peace just came on me that that stayed with me for honestly a long time, and and I still just kept on doing my thing, like just living life how I just I figured you could because that was that was the example that I had always had, and you know because my parents talked about believing in God but they didn't live it, and and so they just kind of did whatever, and so I just kind of figured well that's what you do you know regardless of what you tell your children. They will do what you do, not what you say, you know. And uh, I know that seems obvious, but you know, you grow up hearing that whole, you know, do as I say, not as I do thing. And I can tell you that your kids will do what you do, not what you say. It makes no difference what you say at all if you don't do. And and so, uh, you know, and that's why that's why Ron's been talking in church about those very things about living that that righteous example. Because if people can, don't see it in you, if they don't see the fruit in you, then they won't, then they can't trust you and they won't believe the things that you have to say. And so they, they need to see that what you have to say is, is something real and that there's, there's a reality to it. And so when, when you know somebody and, uh, you know, they go home from work on Friday and then they come back on Monday and they're just totally different, you're kind of thinking, what happened to that guy? You know, and... And then, uh, you know, that's that's what God does is he, is he changes people like that, and uh, and so it's a it's a precious thing to see that. And 
some sometimes you know there's those changes that happen like that just i mean i I came in that door one way and I went out another yeah. and uh and then there's sometimes that it's it just takes some time and uh you know and and God is patient you know because I was the first uh first of Mike's friends that he brought to church, and I just burst into tears the first service I was here. And and decided this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going, and that's that. And uh, so we thought, wow, this is easy. <laughs> like all I got to do is bring them. <clears throat> and so we, we, you know, we were rounding up kids and that we knew and bringing them to church and stuff. And and uh, you know, some of them would really have an experience with the Lord, but nobody really stayed. But you know, the, but people would come. And sometimes they would really be ministered to, and sometimes they would just kind of float in and out. Sometimes they would just take some time. It's like like making a big commitment. You know, you don't you don't make typically you don't make this life changing kind of commitment uh, just off off the cuff, unless you're me. I just sort of do that. I'm impulsive like that. When I went to buy my first brand new car, I thought I'm not going to buy a car today. I'm just going to look. And then I bought a car that was more expensive than I planned on. So, first time Cynthia and I bought a house. We had been looking around online. We stepped in this house. and like, yep, we're buying it. This is the one. So to our credit, this time, this was the third or fourth house we looked at. So, and before we decided that this is indeed the one, I love this house. So, so my house goes for sale tomorrow if you want to move to Baldwin. Let me know. I will cut you a deal. So, um, so uh, go with me to uh, Romans chapter twelve. In the midst of uh, the fog of strawberry shortcake and how to train your dragon, yesterday I kept thinking about the scripture. <laughs> Little glimpse of my life, yes. Well, I. Funny, I didn't really want my kids to do nothing but watch TV all day, but all I could do was lay on the couch, and uh, I thought, well, I could get up and go in the basement, but you can still hear the TV plainly in the basement, and it's cold down there, and I was cold, and uh, my tummy hurt, and I thought about going upstairs, but there's no place to sit upstairs except on the bed, and that's not really all that comfortable to sit on the bed, and if you you lay down on the bed, then that's that. So I just kind of sat on the couch staring listlessly at the TV, but I just kept thinking about this this scripture, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about my testimony because, you know, uh, the Bible says that that you're not your own and that you're bought with a price, you know, and so, uh, you know, when when Mike and Sarah moved to Ottawa, I was thinking, eh, eh, that's not on my radar anywhere, and, uh, until I went into their house, and I thought, okay, maybe I should start looking. You know? and, uh, and so I started looking around, and, and uh, uh, but I asked Ron, I was like, so, you know, I know I'm not my own boss. I'm not a free agent. I don't belong to me, so can I just pack up and move to another town? Can I do that? And he's like, yeah, you could, because it's not really going to change much. I mean, you're still going to be in the same general area, and and all that stuff, unless God would have you, you know, specifically tells you to stay, then, you know, he would give you liberty to do that. And uh, and so I just 
kind of started prayerfully taking these steps, and it was like just driving through town, and all the lights are green. You know, I was like, okay, well, sweet, this is working well. Uh, so, uh, um, but I was just thinking, you know, we the Bible says that you're not your own; you're bought with a price. Uh, go, actually, I might just go read that. I believe that's First Corinthians uh, six. Yeah, First Corinthians six nineteen. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, and you you can't you can't say enough about that price that He paid. You know, the the price you were bought with. You know, because because He could have paid anything. You know, but when when uh, when the angel was destroying uh, Israel, uh, and and uh, David went to to do sacrifice at the threshing floor of, of uh, Ornan the Jebusite, he was just going to give him the stuff. He's like, no, I'm not going to sacrifice something to God that doesn't cost me something. We're not going to, you know, you're not going to give it to me for free for me to to do it because then it's not it's not costing me something, and so. You know, we already belonged to him. He already made us. So he could have, you know, one would think that he, he wouldn't have to pay some dreadful price for us, but the, the price for sin had to be paid. And and so, uh, you know, the, the in the law he set out these different things. If you can't afford this, then you can do this. If you can't afford that, then you can do this. And uh, so that nobody was outside of that thing just because they couldn't afford it. And, and yet... Uh, uh, he paid. You know, in fact, when Jesus came to the temple, they brought the cheap thing. They brought the turtle, the turtle doves. Mary and Joseph did because they they couldn't afford a lamb. And so, uh, and besides, they did bring one. So, uh, and so, uh, you know, so he paid the 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 utmost price that he could pay then, uh, because because he loves you like that. And, and so that was the thing that was so astounding to me is I, when I got born again and I, I just started learning these things and thinking, wow, that because I grew up feeling like I had no value and like and that I had no friends hardly, you know, the only close friend I had I still have, but um, most of my friends were were very much fair weather friends and and this uh, uh, kind of acquaintances really more like at a, at a distance kind of friends and uh and i kind of had that like i said you know i was you know not a popular kid by any stretch of the imagination unless you mean popular to pick on but and, and i don't say that to muck around in my my childhood like oh feel sorry for me i'm just saying i grew up feeling like you know nobody loves me everybody hates me i'm just going to go eat some worms and <laughs> that's that was how i grew up and uh, so to find out that that somebody loved me was a was a precious thing, and that not only was it somebody, it was it was him that that God loved me like that, and uh, and so it was a precious thing. And so it's no wonder that all those years uh, uh, that that the enemy would 
try and put on me that thing of, well, you know, God just took you along because you have to, because it's fair, you know, because he wants to fight with that sense of, no, God actually loves you, and he chose you. So, so, so then he, he came to live inside of us, put that Holy Ghost in us, and that we're not our own because we're bought with a price. Uh, so, over in Romans 12, uh, verse 1. Says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, and I, I dug around in all these words as I like to do, and it says what it says: that a, that to live a living sacrifice, you know, and and that's precisely what Jesus did because he's our example, because he's that 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 pattern that we follow. And and he he lived uh, a living sacrifice because he didn't do what he wanted to do. You know, I, I look back and think, wow, I'm I'm already older than he was when he was crucified, and and to think he had no wife, he had no children, and and I'm sure he would have liked to have had those things, and and yet God had something else for him to do, and so he set his face to that as this is what I'm going to do because I can't afford to be sidetracked with anything else. So he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And uh, I like that. I like the way he says that, your reasonable service. You know, it's, this is the word reasonable. This is where we get the word logic. And, uh, and so... Uh, and this this word actually only in this form only appears in one other spot, and it actually is saying something about the word it escapes me at the moment. But uh, because it's a form of the word logos, but it's it's a little different. But so this it's the reasonable is a is a good way to say that. Then it's like well, this would be the most reasonable course of action. And because isn't that what you do with when you're faced with a decision? Is you you think it through subtly. And you come up with the most logical thing that you can. Logical to pick on John about it. Not subtly. No, but uh, you know the thing is, is that that's that's what I do. You know, when I, I have a decision to make, I I weigh the options, I think my way through. It's like, well, what's the most reasonable course of action here? Then what what makes the most sense? And, and that's what he's saying here. He's like that to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, is the most reasonable thing. Is the most logical course of action. Is the most it presents itself as the most obvious of your choices. The most reasonable service. And this word service, that's what it means. Service. It's, it's, uh, it's like like uh, it's like the priest's office. Uh, it's like any kind of service that you would perform, uh, you know, this is the kind of word they would use for the the the, uh, the priests at the temple doing doing the sacrifices and, and ministering and things like that. So, so then this is your your reasonable service then that you would render to God to just give yourself all of Him like He gave Himself all of you. And so, uh, I every time I read this, I always think. Uh, you know, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is the very least that you could do. You know, because uh, you know, it's like, what do you what do you give to God that has everything? 
you know, you, you give him the thing that he won't, that he couldn't, well, he wouldn't just take for himself because he wants you. And, and he won't make you give yourself to him, but he wants you to because he, because that's what love is like. And, and so, uh, uh, so, you know, he told his disciples, he's like, no, you call me Lord and Master, and, and you're right, I am. But there's, there's more to it than that. And so God wants us to understand that while he is indeed, uh, he is indeed king and, and that we owe him our allegiance, that, but that he wants us to, to love him because I can tell you that, that love is what takes you to this place. You know, it, it's a, you make up your mind, this is my goal. This is what I'm pressing for. So help me God. Because you, you need Him to get there. But but falling in love with Him, love will take you where duty won't. And and so so He's saying, you know, to to lay down your life is the very least thing then, because that's what He did. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And and so <clears throat> we're seeing more and more how you can see that shape of the world everywhere you go, and how how we don't fit into that shape, but we want to make that conscious decision that I, I'm not going to allow myself to be squished into this shape, you know, because I, I have a different mold that I'm patterned after, and 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 it will not fit through there. It's like putting a, a square peg in a round hole. It ain't happening. And so, uh, you know, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so God just comes in and, and he fixes the stuff from the inside. And so, you know, because you when, when someone really meets real God, then they, they change on the outside. You see that right away. Uh, but it's nothing compared to the things that are changing inside and and. And you don't see those things nearly so much, but they begin then to manifest themselves on the outside. Because as as those changes happen inside, then they you can see it more plainly on the outside. But he but he renews your mind, and so so he gives you a new spirit, he gives you a new mind, and then and uh, uh, and he tells us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So so everything that he's saying here is is that patterning your life after his and and it's about seeking him for that because it's we we make up our mind uh, and we uh, we push for those things and we we do those things that God uh expects of us to do because when when God wants you to do something he makes it plain to you and and there are times when it's it's simply a matter of you need to do this because I told you to do this or not do this, as it were. But when it comes to these matters of uh, of these things, uh, you know, all God needs for you to do is to cooperate with Him and to to work with Him, accept these things, and 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 He will transform. Uh, and renew your mind because that's not something you can change, but he can change it. But he but he needs you to give him your login information first, and so so you you give him that opportunity, and and he will most certainly do it. And then you'll see in you that good and acceptable and perfect will of God start coming out, 
because when when he fills you up, then that's what's going to come out. And so that's what he does. So Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, everything you've done. Uh, God, is more than we could ask or think. And God, we just pray that today you would do in this place exactly what you want to do. God, as only you can. God, that your presence would, uh, would touch and refresh every soul. Lord God, that we would uh, uh, decide that we're going to get out in the rain uh, where your presence is moving, God, where your presence is falling down. God, we're going to get out and get in it. And God, we just pray for your anointing and touch to, to break every yoke in this place today. And God, to refresh every heart, God, and for us to, to hear and see you as you truly are, and, and to hear the things that you're truly saying. And, uh, God, that we would give you that that sacrifice of praise that you are uh, more than worthy of. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.